Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Join me today in Mark chapter 4, and uh, we want to continue with uh, something we've been on the last three services, last two Sundays and then Wednesday, on receiving maximum results from the Word. Receiving maximum results from the Word. Uh, you can go online and, and find all of the other ones uh, on the YouTube channel, Roku channel, podcast, uh, however you need to find it. Receiving maximum results from the Word. You know, the Bible says that we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And I determined something a number of years ago that if I'm supposed to live by the Word, then I want to be receiving the maximum results because that's my way of living. That's how God has ordained that I live. Um, years ago when the Lord, well, it'd be 20, probably, well, close to 26, 27 years ago, when the Lord was dealing with me that the call on my life was pastoring, and we've been pastoring 25 full-time years this year, but he, I went to the Scripture where it said, that the Lord has ordained that they that preach the gospel will live of the gospel. Well, I took that to heart. And no, I didn't go quit my job, by the way. But I started putting that in my heart. Okay, Lord, you're asking me to preach the gospel. Then you have ordained it that I should live of the gospel. Right? And I build my, my point in saying that is when I figured that out, that's, that's how God has been able to do some of the things He's done in our life, is we built our faith over those months and years, moving up to Him doing what He asked us to do, us doing what He asked us to do. Because when we stepped out, right, the Lord told me February 22nd, 1999 is your last day on your job. All right? And I gave my notice and stepped off my job February 22nd. I've, I've, I've never worked a, a, a secular, I've not had secular employment since. And God's always not just met the need, provided more than enough, and our life is just, just took off from that point. But here's, here's the point. We built our faith in that arena. You got to constantly build your faith that you're supposed to live by the word. And if I'm supposed to live by the word, I want the maximum results from the word. Is that right? Amen. You know, there, there, there are people that, that they really have a problem with what's going on in the world. Amen. I'm talking about Christians. You know, they, what are we going to do? What, well, what do you mean, what are we going to do? We're going to live by the word. Amen. You know, I don't know anyone, in the, now I don't know everybody in this room, let me say this, everybody that I have a knowledge of your life, I don't know anybody whose life is worse off the last two years than it was the two years previous. But I do know several that life is better. I've, I've been talking to several people today that are healed, that God, God, God touched them, they had hands laid on them, and God healed them instantly. I know people that can tell you they, they are making more money now than they were four or five years ago. Why? Because the Word of God is not moved by the circumstances in the natural. The Word of God functions independent of natural circumstances. Amen. And that's why you can't fall into the, the, the thinking that the world falls into or that the nominal believer falls into and start, and start saying the same things they say. Ever what you say, you must agree with the Word. And you cannot find one scripture that says for the believer things are getting worse. You can find scripture that says our, our light is going to shine brighter and brighter. That will go from glory to glory. Amen. Is that right? Hallelujah. Well, you know, with all the bad people we got in politics and everything, Pastor, you, get, you better be careful with that. Because you'll violate the word. 
Amen. Don't, don't be caught bad-mouthing the powers. They got quiet. The Scripture says in 1 Peter, uh, 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 excuse me, 2 Peter chapter 2, it says this. It says, honor the king. Love the brotherhood. Honor all men. Oh, hallelujah. Is that right? When you get over and you start talking dishonorable speech, like the world talks, you can disagree without being dishonorable. Right? I, I have to honor the authority. Hmm. But see, the world, the, the church falls into these worldly ideas. Well, I'll honor them if they're my party. I'll honor them if they're my skin tone. I'll honor them if they agree with me about everything. That, you can't do that. That's not honor. You honor the office. You honor the authority. Why? The Word says to. And anything you do because the Word says you'll be doing in faith. And whatever you do in faith will make you prosper. Amen. Do you see that? I'm, I'm not telling you to agree with sinful policies. I didn't say agree. I said honor. Anybody in here when you were growing up, especially if you were raised in a godly home, did you always agree with your parents? I see some heads shaking no and others just saying nothing. But here's the point. Here's the point. Does the Scripture say, children, agree with your parents? It says, honor your parents. Amen. My dad went to heaven a few years ago. Mom, of course, is, is still preaching the gospel. And even to this day, I don't agree with my mother about everything. How could we? I don't agree with you about everything. But I love the brotherhood, and I honor all men. And love and honor will make you look past what you disagree with and honor and do the right thing anyway. You've got to be careful with this. I say we've got to be careful with this. There is no Republican portion of the Bible. There is no Democrat portion of the Bible. Just because a person's conservative doesn't mean they're a Christian. And just because a person's a Democrat doesn't mean they're not born again. You say, what's that got to do with working the Word? Nothing. But it's something, no, it does. A lot of people, a lot of people fail to move forward because they're, they're trying to work one part of the Scripture while violating another part of the Scripture. You can't not do this and then expect this to work. Let, let me say this, we'll get to our verses. I've known people over the years that want to snatch those financial scriptures out of the Bible. Press down, shaking together, running over. Right? My God will supply all my needs. But they don't want to live right. Well, that verse does not work independently of the other verses. Or should I say this? You know, holiness without which nobody will see God? Isn't that right? The Bible says you were made holy. That's not so you can go live unholy. It means I've been made holy. Why should I go mess up what God's made me when He's made me and given me the ability and the power to do it? I don't know why I'm saying this exactly, but, but sin has no power over you. Because sin cannot overpower holiness. Sin cannot overpower the new creature. I've been given all authority and all power over all the power of the enemy. Amen. I just have to let the Word work its full benefit in my life. Mark chapter 4. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Mark chapter 4, verse 13 and 14. And the Lord has uh, 
really had me centered up right here. We're, we're going to get a little farther past these two verses, but probably not real far. Because there's so much to see here. Mark chapter 4, verse 13, 14. Jesus said to them, to his disciples, do you not know this parable? They asked him about the parable of the sower. He had just told it to the people. And then they asked him in uh, verse 10 about the parable. And Jesus said in verse 13, do you not know this parable? Notice, how then will you know all parables? So, so this parable is the Rosetta Stone. It's the key to everything Jesus said. Because all the way through this parable, you see the working of the Word, the working of the kingdom, how the Word operates, how the kingdom operates. You see the enemies of the Word, what stops the Word from working, how the Word can bring forth. Amen. And he says, if you don't understand this parable, how are you going to understand anything I'm saying? Because this, this is the beginning. Verse 14, the sower sows the word. So he says two things here. If you don't understand what I'm saying here, you'll have a hard time understanding anything I say. And secondly, the context of this parable is the word. Amen. The sower sows the word. So the context is not weeds, thorns, rocks, uh, cares, worries, the devil, it's the Word. The Word. The Word is sown. The Word is seed. The Word is designed genetically by God to bring forth in the ground that it's planted in. Amen. That, right? The, the, uh, Peter said in 1 Peter 1.23, he said that you were not born again of corruptible things, of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, even by the seed of the Word of God. Amen. Well, how'd that happen? Somebody taught or preached the word to you. That was the seed of the word that went into your heart, and you realized you needed to be born again. And you believed in your heart and confessed with your mouth that Jesus was Lord, and you were born again. Now, your words and your belief had everything to do with that, but you only said it because you believed the seed that was planted in your heart. So the word of God caused you to be born again. Look how, quick it, look how quick it came to fruition. Look how quick it brought forth a harvest. I don't know how long it was for you, but the moment I heard the word, it was just a few minutes later, I'm ready to be born again. Amen. And a few minutes after that, I am born again. Isn't that amazing? I came to church not born again and left born again. Glory to God. There are people you know might be even people under the sound of my voice. You were flipping through the channels and found somebody preaching on TV. And within 30 to 60 seconds, you were born again and your life would never be the same again. That's the power of the Word of God. Amen. And Jesus says that the context then is the Word of God. The Weymouth translation says what the sower sows is the Word. The sower sows the Word. So in Mark chapter 4, we're told, we went over how the Word works, what stops the Word from working, the enemies of the Word. Let's start here in verse 15. And these are they by the wayside. Now this is the, the hard pack. When you look at this in the Greek, now, now uh, I'm, I'm sure if, if, if you've uh, uh, ever been around any agriculture, I, I was raised in West Texas. And uh, uh, did a lot of work on uh, uh, wheat circles and corn circles. And, and between every circle, there's a road. And it's hard pack because that's, they drive between those circles. We dro drove between those circles. Uh, we, we were on the, the, uh, the uh, 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 cattle end of it. And so we would, we would pull our pickup and horse trailer and horses down that road and do what we needed to do and the farmers would drive their truck down the road and check on the sprinkler system but here's the issue that that was hard pack this is what he's talking about these are they sown by the wayside now i want you to notice something i don't have time to stay with this i taught on this wednesday night you can go back and hear it notice it says it was sown didn't just fall out wasn't accidental it was sown why because every, every type of ground mentioned in Mark chapter 4 is a reference to an individual's heart and life. And so he's saying where this person is concerned, their heart 
is like the side of the road or the road, the roadway between two circles of wheat or between two pastures. All right. It's hard. It's packed down. But everybody will have an opportunity to hear the word. The word will be sown in everybody's life on the earth before Christ comes. Everybody will have an opportunity to hear the word. And he says, the, notice the word is sown there. Amen. And then he says, and when they have heard, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. Now, so we see the first enemy here. And bear with me. People say, yep, the first enemy is Satan. Satan is the constant enemy. The first enemy we see here is this hard earth. They didn't do anything with the seed. They left it laying on top of the ground. Right? And notice what it says. It says, when they had heard. Did the Bible say they heard? How does faith come? Faith comes by hearing. They heard the word. But they didn't do anything with what they heard. They just left it laying on top of the ground. And what happened? Satan comes immediately and took away the word that was sown. Where? In their heart so the ground that the seed was just laying on top of is a symbol of the person's heart so this person heard the word and just left it there they didn't do anything with it the devil can't just take the word from you you have to yield it up i have to yield it see very often this is taught that yet when you hear the word the devil's coming immediately well he might but it makes no difference if you won't yield the word to him amen did you hear me don't ever act surprised that you have an enemy or an adversary don't act surprised that the devil's after the word if he came after the word in the life of Jesus, he's going to come after the word in your life. But what did Jesus do? He would not yield the word to the devil. He kept directing him back to what does the word of God say. If you're the son of God, make these stones bread. Ah, it's written. It's written, man shall not live by bread alone. If you're the son of God, throw yourself off this temple. The angels will catch you. It's written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Is that right? What was he after? The word. He wanted him to prove himself. He wanted him to get over into pride and arrogancy. I'll prove to you I'm the son of God. I'll make these stones bread. And the moment he would have done that, the devil would have won. Glory to God. Do you see this? The Bible says that when you hear the word, you hide it in your heart. You hide it in your heart. The scripture says in the book of Proverbs, talking about the word, it says keep it in the midst of your heart because it's life to your body and health to your flesh. When? When's it life and health? When you keep it in the midst of your heart. Not just when you hear it. It's when you keep it. Am I helping you? Woo, glory. The word never progressed past surface level in this person's heart. And as a result, it was left in a vulnerable position. And Satan took it. I've had people say, well, you know, I knew so-and-so. And it seemed like God really touched them. How could they backslide? Right here. Right here. They left the word in a vulnerable position. You will not backslide ever if you hold on to the word. If you don't let go of the word, you won't backslide. Backslide is really should be a foreign term to the believer. And, and when you read through the Bible, it doesn't talk about anybody backsliding but disobedient people. Backsliding is not something that can just happen. I got to give it up. Amen. I have to give the word up. I have to yield the word up so he can't just take the word i've got to yield it to him that word yield it means to give up the contest or to submit so i have to submit to what the devil's saying contrary to what god's saying amen the word was sown in this person's heart they heard the word and did nothing with it 
See, there has to be a reason that this person received the word, heard the word, and then yielded up the word and allowed the enemy to take it from them. Amen. He allowed the enemy to take it. Glory to God. Do you remember in Mark 16, and, and you, can, you can read it, look, we won't go there, but Jesus had risen from the dead, and you remember Mark 16 talks about how Mary saw him and then went and told the disciples, and they didn't believe her. And then it says that two, two more of them saw him and went and told him. Remember, road to Emmaus, uh, what was his name, Cleophas? <laughs> and, and the other one, I forget his name. But anyway, they went, and it says they didn't believe them. And then it says the next day, they were all together, and Jesus walked through the wall. And you know what it says the first thing he did? He upbraided them because of their unbelief and hardness of heart. Because they didn't believe the people that had seen him. Glory to God. What, but what did, here's my point. What did he say was the reason they didn't believe? Hardness of heart. You heard, Right? That Jesus had told them, I'm going to be crucified, I'm going to be buried, I'm going to rise again on the third day. Remember when he told Mary, he said, go tell my brethren, I have risen like I said. Amen. What did they do with what he said about the resurrection? They left it laying on the top of their heart and it got stolen from them. Amen. Do you see that? Look at, look at Matthew 13. Because to, to understand this parable, you have to look at it in its different settings. Matthew 13 and verse 19. This is the same ground, the same person. And he says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom. Now watch. And understandeth it not. Now, what's the next word? Then, then comes that wicked one. So notice, he says, when you hear the word of the kingdom and you don't understand it, that's when he's coming. Now, hear me. Understand is not just like you don't know or you can't figure it out. Watch this. Understandeth means to put together or to set or join together in the mind. So when one hears the word and does not understand it, then the enemy comes and takes the word. The Reese Bible says, while everyone is listening and not comprehending. Why? Because knowing and understanding are two different things. You can know how something operates and have no understanding of operating it. You drove behind that person today on the way to church. All right? They, they know what that car is supposed to do, but they don't understand it. Amen. Hallelujah. I, I, I use this illustration often. You take a child, my, my six-year-old. We can get in the car. She knows that when we get in the car that I push a button and I turn a knob and the car starts when I push a button and I turn a knob and it goes forward or it goes backwards and if you turn the wheel and press something down on the floor she knows she has a knowing a knowledge of how the car operates but we're not giving her the keys because you don't have an understanding why do you have to take a driver's license test to prove you have an understanding of how these things operate. Is that right? Hallelujah. You can know that and not understand how to operate it. So it's not that these people could not understand. They wouldn't make the effort to understand. I'll show you this from the Word very plainly in just a few moments. They wouldn't make the effort to understand. There are people that are not receiving from God, not because they can't. They won't make the effort to receive from God you got to make the effort to receive from God. Amen. Oh, glory. So we see this across the board in what the Bible teaches. Uh, for instance, 
And, and I'm, gonna talk, I'm talking about believers mainly, where sin is concerned. And when I, when I talk about sin, I mean where the believer's victory over sin is concerned. The Bible says that sin does not have dominion over us. Is that right? The, the Bible says we are no longer sinners. We're made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We are sons and daughters of God, not sinners. Is that right? But yet there are multiplied thousands of people in multiplied Christian churches around America today that will fight you for their right to be just an old sinner saved by grace. And it's plain in the Word, and they won't understand it. Not that they can't. They won't. I, I was raised Pentecostal. I will, be, I will be marking 50 years born again next year. And here's the thing, I was raised Pentecostal, and I never heard one message on us being the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm not knocking them, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for my heritage, but here's what I'm saying. They didn't know. Why did they not know? Willful ignorance. Because they just taught what had been taught, and then we just taught what had been taught, and then they taught what had been taught. Right? Right? I remember, do you remember the day, you remember the time, you remember the first message you heard that you were righteous? How did your life change? First thing you had to do is shake your head and go, me, righteous? Because what are we taught? That righteousness is conduct. God says righteousness is standing. When I got born again, I was placed in right standing with God. Before my conduct can change, my standing has to change. I'm, I'm just using this as an example. And so there are multiplied people that believe, well, you know, everybody sins. Nothing you can do about it. We'll just have to depend on the Lord to forgive us. Right? Because we're all sinners. Beg your pardon, I'm not. Amen. Try that. Look at your neighbor. Try that and say, you know, I'm not a sinner. Oh, tell them again. Say, you know I'm not a sinner. See, you can't be both. No more than you can be a woman and be a man. Or be a man and be a woman. You just can't be. It's just, you can't be. I'm not being ugly. I'm just saying it, that's ludicrous. You cannot look at a dog and say, that's a cat. I mean, you can, but we're going to call somebody to help you. Right? You cannot look at yourself consistently and say you're a sinner when you are the righteousness of God and Satan not come and take that from you. And these are believers. Uh, healing. They're, they're multiplied believers. That will fight you for their right to be sick. And they will tell you that God uses sickness. And that God uses disease. And you don't want to get out of line. God might slap a cancer on you. I always thought that was interesting. That they would say God would slap a cancer on you. When cancer's under the curse. And God has nothing to do with the curse. And has no cancer to give you. Do you know God doesn't punish people? Well, he punishes sinners. No, he don't. Sinners are open to the curse. Well, he's going to punish people in hell. God's not going to punish people in hell. That's the end result of a life lived outside of God. That, that's the result of that life. Are you following me? God said, I want to reward. Right? Right? Without faith, he says from the very beginning, the wages of sin is death. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that does not believe will be condemned. That's, that's the result. If you believe the word, you'll be saved. If you don't believe the word, that's what's waiting on you. You understand? And they'll fight you for their right to be sick. 
And the, and the enemy has made it feel like, well, this is my cross to bear. And somehow I'm more humble. And somehow I'm more righteous. Because look at the pain and the suffering that I'm going through. That Jesus suffered to free you from. Amen. Anything that Jesus suffered where the curse is concerned, I don't have to. The only thing that I suffer is persecution and living in the flesh. Everything else has been carried by Christ. Amen. Well, pastor, I know so-and-so, and they were a good godly person. And you know, they died sick. And I just know they believed God. Well, I'm not going to argue with you. But that's your experience. And if your experience goes contrary to the Word of God, we can't believe it. You never exchange what's written plainly in the Word because of experience. Amen. See, this is important. Because here's why. The Word on healing is not benefiting them. And if somebody tells them God's a healer, nine times out of ten, they will do nothing with that. They'll make statements like, well, I know it's his will. He can if he wants to. If he desires to do it, he will. He's already proven his desire. Three times in the Bible he proved his desire. With his stripes you are healed. By his stripes you were healed. Matthew chapter 8, Jesus healed all the sick that came to him. And in that it was fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He bore their infirmities and carried their sicknesses. Three times he told us when Jesus went to the cross, he took our sins and our sicknesses with him. And he paid the price for your salvation and your complete and total healing. Don't let that lay on your heart. Take it into your heart. Hide that in your heart. I'm the healed of the Lord. My body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. I'm healed in the name of Jesus. Glory to God. Do you see that? Because if you start questioning it, okay, Lord, if, if you start saying things, well, maybe I'm fighting this sickness because of where I messed up. That's a trick of the devil. Maybe you did mess up. What's the way out? Somebody help me. What's the way out? Repent. Repent. Amen. I say repent. Right? If God doesn't have any sickness to put on you, then even if you're in sin, God's not the one putting the sickness on you. He doesn't have any. He doesn't have any. Well, then why is it on me? Because the door was opened by your action. Get up, shut the door, repent. Hallelujah, get on your knees and let everybody know, God and Jesus, the Holy Ghost, every devil and demon, I serve God, Jesus is my king. Hallelujah. You say, what will happen? Watch things turn, but don't leave it laying on your heart. Don't leave it just laying there. The devil will come and take it. Amen prosperity hallelujah do you know the two things that i have received the most pushback about is healing and prosperity amen people that will tell you it's god's will to save everybody and salvation is the package remember well, how can it be God's will for you to get part of the package and not get all the package? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to be, 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 uh, belabor my time here, but understand what I mean by this. There are people that, that, that they, they believe. They, their mantra is God must love poor people. He made enough of us. Amen. When the Bible says poverty is a curse. How do, how do I know that? What, what does the Bible say in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9? It says this, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was so very rich, yet for your sakes he became so very poor, that you through his poverty might be rich. 
I had people look at me and say, that's talking spiritual. No, it's not. Words mean what they mean. And the, and the word rich and the word poor there are definitions of physical issues. Notice, notice, though he was rich. Now, where was he rich? In heaven. Wouldn't you say anybody in heaven's rich? For your sake, now wait, for your sake. Now, follow me here. Am I helping you this morning? He became sin for who? He became sick for who? He became separated from the Father for who? So anything he did for my sake is included in my redemptive rights. For your sake he became poor. Relatively poor. Relative to where he was. Jesus didn't walk this earth poor. Amen. That's a whole other message for another day. But here's the point. Relatively poor. Well, where did he come from? Streets of gold, gates of pearl, walls of jasper. Woo, glory. Home. That you, through his poverty, might be rich. Now that settles it. I don't need another verse. There are many other ones, but I don't need another one because he did that for me. Now, you know multiplied thousands of people. Well, you don't know multiplied thousands of people, but you know a lot of people and that, that believe contrary to this, and there are multiplied thousands of people that will fight you for their right to be broke because God really don't care about money. He only cares about it so much that he sent Jesus to die so you could be freed from the curse of poverty. Oh, hallelujah. Now, but here's the issue. What, what's happening? They're leaving the Word sit on top of their heart. You know, there are people that tithe in churches and expect no benefit from it. They tithe out of fear, and they tithe out of, out of, out of works, and they tithe out of, of, of just this menial, legalistic idea that I got to do this, or God will get mad at me, God will curse me. God has no, there's no curse in God. He has none. He freed me from the curse. In Christ realities. We talked about some of this earlier. Being righteous. Being holy. Right? If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. If any man be in Christ. In Christ realities. There are people you know and I know that are, that are born again. And they, and they have no concept of who they are in Christ. Amen. They have no concept of what was bought for them in Christ. In, for it says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 7, For in Christ neither circumcision nor uncircumcision availeth anything, but faith that works by love. Is that right? What's that mean? In Christ, it doesn't matter what nationality you are. It doesn't matter what color your skin tone is. It doesn't matter if you're male or female. It doesn't matter where you're from. The only thing that matters is faith in Christ. In Christ. Is that right? You leave that word laying on top of your heart, and the enemy will snatch it from you. Amen. There are people who refuse to understand that God maintains standards where sin's concerned. They just refuse to understand that. It's not that it's not in the Scripture. Come out from among them and be separate. Purify your hearts. Cleanse your hands. Right? Is that, is that what it said? Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Well, how do you reprove them? Not just with your words, with your life. Right? There are entire denominations that refuse to understand that God wants them healed and wants their lives to be prosperous. There are scores of believers who refuse to understand they're righteous in God's sight. And as a result, they have the word concerning these things taken from them. See, this is the importance of taking the word literally wherever possible. If it's in the word, that's me. Remember Brother Hagin used to say, he would say that somewhere in the neighborhood of 144 times, the Bible uses the phrase, in him, by him, through him, amen, by whom, 
so on and so forth, somewhere in the neighborhood of 144 times. And he said, you need to go through the scripture. And every time you see one of those phrases, in him, by him, through him, you need to stop and say, this is what I have and this is what is mine. Right? Amen. You're taking the word literally wherever possible. That's one of the first laws of biblical interpretation is you take the word literally wherever possible. Amen. Righteousness, you being made righteous, is not some metaphor. You were made right with God. So important. Amen. And look, look, look at Mark chapter 4 and verse 12. You see how the word can be stolen with you, from you? If it's just laying there on the top? Hallelujah. I've had people tell me, well, that's not what I was taught. Well, do you, have you ever thought maybe you were taught wrong? I mean, right? I had a guy tell me one time in a Bible study, I was talking about being born again. And he said, the church I went to, we never talked about any of that born again stuff. And he said to me, born again's not in the Bible. Amen. Well, of course, we took him to the Word and showed him where it was. But do you know he wouldn't take it? Can't be that easy. Can't be that easy. Just that easy. What, what was he doing? Exalting what he had been taught above what the Word says. I was sitting with a pastor one time in a, in a coffee shop. Uh, Homer's Coffee Shop in uh, 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 Overland Park, Kansas. And me and him and a buddy of mine, and this guy that, that was sitting with me, uh, he was assembly of God. Amen. And I've been assembly of God, and, and I, I have nothing against the assembly at all. I'm just I'm saying that was his, his denominational bent. And uh, the official theological stance of the assembly of God and my stance is that the initial evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit is the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Everywhere you see in the, in, the, in the book of Acts in the New Testament, when they receive the Holy Ghost, they begin to speak in tongues. Now, if you don't believe that, that's totally irrelevant to me, all right? But, but according to Scripture. And so he started talking about how he disagreed with this and he disagreed with that and that it wasn't the initial evidence. And I said, brother, we got to go back to what the Word says. Whether you believe it or not, it's irrelevant to me. You're not going to go to hell if, if you disagree with me. But if you look at what the Word says, you got to go with what the Word says. If you're going to preach the Word, you got to go with what the Word says. Amen. But see, he thought, he thought, well, you know, I got a new revelation. When you hear people talking about how they got a new revelation, here, let me give you some advice. Run. Run. Just run. Run fast. Right? Why? Because, because listen. <laughs> Go with what the Word specifically states. Amen. Mark chapter 4, verse 12, notice this. Whew. He says, That seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven them. Notice, they see it, but they refuse to understand it what the word perceive means to understand one translation says that they may look and look and see nothing so they hear but they refuse to understand then what happens the enemy takes the word see understanding the word starts with a choice it starts with this i believe what i see in the word if it's in the word i believe it period that 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 settles the issue you come to the Word, and that's it. Well, it can't mean that. It's in the Word. It means that. Is that right? Hallelujah. Look at uh, uh, Romans chapter 4. Believing the Word is doing something with the Word. When I'm believing the Word, I, I do something with it. Romans chapter 4 and uh, verse 3. This, of course, is speaking about Abraham. And it says, what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, 
and it was counted to him for righteousness. So notice, Abraham believed God. Now, we know from Scripture that neither Abraham or Sarah, and it was primarily before their names were changed, uh, Abram and Sarai, but for the sake of teaching, we know that neither one of them understood how this was going to happen. They didn't understand it. Right? Both of them laughed. God told Abraham, Abraham laughed. God told Sarah, Sarah laughed. What did both of them think? We're past the age of having children. They didn't understand it. But notice what it says. Abraham believed God. Amen. Don't let what you don't understand stop you from believing God. I don't understand how that's going to happen. You believe God, just believe God. I don't understand how God's going to save my children. You just believe God. You just believe that he said, I'll contend with them that contend with you and I'll save your children. That's, you just believe that. Amen. But you don't know how deep they are in sin. You just believe God. Oh, glory. Do you see that? I don't understand how we're going to come out of debt. We have so much debt. We have so, we're behind on so much. You just believe that God said, I bring out those that are bound by chains, and I can do the impossible. That's what you believe. Amen. See, that's what Abraham did. That's what the Scripture says, that Abraham counted God faithful. Him and Sarah counted God faithful. Glory to God. In Genesis chapter 15, God came to Abraham, and Abraham said, this Eliezer of Damascus is going to be my heir. And God said, that's not going to be your heir. One that comes out of your own body is going to be your heir. And the Bible in the next verse says, Abraham believed God. Watch, his body hadn't changed. The circumstance hadn't changed. Sarah was not miraculously uh, fertile. She, her womb was still dead. But he believed God. What, what, what is it when you believe God? You do something with the word. You take the word and you're doing, you're doing something with it. Remember what James said? He said, if, 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 if you're just a hearer of the word and not a doer of the word, you're deceiving your own self. Amen. Abraham and Sarah could have said, I just don't see how this could ever happen. And they would have been robbed of the promise. Let's go back to Matthew 13. But they didn't. They believed God. That's you. You believe God. I believe God. Matthew 13 and verse 13. Jesus says, I speak to them in parables because they seeing see not and hearing they hear not. Neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah that says, By hearing you will hear and not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. Notice, for this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing. Now watch. And their eyes they have closed. Lest at any time they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their heart, and be converted, and I should heal them. So notice, this is intentional. It's intentional. They close their eyes. Hallelujah. You know, I say this regularly to the Lord. Lord, give me eyes to see and ears to hear wondrous things from your word. Give me eyes to see and ears to hear because because I don't want to shut my eyes to anything. I don't want to shut my ears to anything. I want to see and hear everything that God has for us. Amen. Their ears were dull of hearing. Their eyes... They have closed. So they heard the word and closed their eyes to it. They shut their ears to it. Every time you hear the word, you're hearing the answer. You may not come to church and hear every time you come to church the answer to the specific thing that you're dealing with, but if you keep showing up, you will. Because the word is supernatural. Something will be said that will give you your answer. Oh, hallelujah. Glory be to God. Amen. 
I can't tell you the times I, w- I went to church. When we first uh, 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 moved from Nashville to uh, the Kansas City area, all those years ago, nearly 30 years ago, and uh, uh, lived there, we, we, we were looking for a church. And uh, we couldn't find a church that was, uh, that was word of faith. We couldn't find a church that, that taught just reliance on the word of God. And we went to, to several, and I don't have time to tell you all of those adventures. But uh, nonetheless, uh, you know, I, I'm just like, I'm, I'm tired of looking. I don't know about you, but, you know, I just, I was tired of looking. And we're driving over here and driving over there and driving over here. What in the world? And uh, so... Uh, uh, one day, I came home on a Wednesday. I came home from work, and Pastor Michelle said, Oh, Philip, I heard this minister on the radio today. Now, the last thing I want to hear is about some minister we, we heard on the radio, right? And he was talking about always giving God the glory. And uh, he's just right down the road. We were living in Grandview, Missouri at the time. He said, He's just right down the road, just a few blocks. And uh, sure enough, they were. And uh, we went that night. We went that, uh, that, that evening. And... Uh, uh, that church at that time was probably maybe as big as this, maybe that big. It uh, might have been smaller. But in any event, uh, Pastor Edward Morton, E.C. Morton, and uh, we went there, and sure enough, I mean, he was teaching just what he had been teaching on the radio, but that night, uh, he had some of his associate ministers teaching. He had them teach about 10 or 15 minutes, and he wasn't really teaching. Long story short, the Lord really touched us in the spirit that night and, and, and blessed us. And, and we started going to church there is, is the point. And we went there for probably two years uh, before the Lord moved us into the full-time pastor. But here's the thing. You know, I always say this. When I went to church, I was full-time mafia, front row mafia. And uh, that's what I always, I, I used to teach a bunch of guys in the prison. They'd come and crowd the front row. These are front row mafia. Here's the splash zone. You're all up here close, you're in the splash zone, Right? Remember when you used to go see Shamu, and they'd say, you know, like the first 10 rows is the splash zone? You might get wet if you sit here. You might get wet if you sit up here. Amen? Not because I'm spitting on you, but because of the anointing. And, uh, but the, the, the point is, you know, I can't tell you the times that I would go and sit on that front row, and in the middle of his message, he would stop and say, I don't know why I'm saying this, and then he would say something, and it'd be my answer. Because I made a decision when I would be going to church, Lord, today, I'm going to hear what I need to hear. I'm going to see what I need to see. And Lord, if it's correction, I take it. If it's something I like, I take it. If it's something I don't like, I take it. Right? And I can't tell you how my life changed. And I can say beyond the shadow of a doubt, I'm the man I am today because I would go to, the, to, the, to church with that mindset, whatever I see in the Word, I'm not going to go. I never heard that. They didn't teach me that. That's not what I was brought up with. What I see in the Word is what I'm going to go with. And my life changed. You, you understand? And your life will change. Even, even if it's not something major that needs to change. You, you can just get the victory in areas that you've been stagnant in if you'll just let the Word do its work. Res, maximum results from the Word. Now look at verse 16 because this is you. Blessed are your eyes, for they see, <laughs> and your ears, for they hear. See, that's me. Say it out loud. My eyes are blessed. My ears are blessed. Because my eyes see, and my, my ears hear. Oh, hallelujah. That's you and I. We see, and we hear. And, 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 and we get the results from the Word of God. Amen. Isn't that great? And we receive those maximum results from the Word. Oh, glory to God. That's why we're blessed. Thank, and, and, and here's the thing. The enemy is so subtle about his attempts to get you to just leave the word alone. Well, you know, it, he'll say things like, it doesn't require all that. You'll, you'll talk to people and, and you'll hear somebody teach and preach on confessing the word. 
and, and regularly declaring what the Word of God has to say about you. And somebody will go, well, it, you know, it, it don't take all of that. I mean, it, I had a preacher friend of mine going, and he told me, he said, Philip, isn't that really legalism? That's legalism. You know, you confessing all those healing scriptures, that's legalism. I looked at him and said, that's not legalism. That's meditating on the Word night and day. That's getting the Word out of my heart, through my mouth, into my situation. You know, he didn't believe any of that. He didn't believe in confessing the word about healing. And his body, just, his body just fought against him, his whole ministry. And he died long before his time, long before he should have. Amen. And I'd tell him, I'd call his name. I said, the Lord wants to heal you. The Lord wants to set you free. He said, what are you going to do? What are you going to do after you preach to people about how God wants to heal them? And then somebody comes up and gets hands laid on them. And they don't get healed. What are you going to do? I said, what do you mean, what am I going to do? The pressure's not on me. It's on the Word. I'm not the healer. Jesus is the healer. The Word's the healer. If you've been healed in this room, in this church, I didn't heal you. Jesus healed you. The Word of God healed you. What you believed about the Word healed your body. And God will always heal anybody that will come to Him and say, I believe what you said in your Word. That's what I can say without doubt, with 100% certainty. Amen. Because every person that you read of in the four Gospels, every person that looked at Jesus and said, I believe, was healed. And there were multitudes that showed their belief by their presence and their adherence to what he said, and all of them were healed. Hallelujah. Do you see this? But my point is, what, what, was, what did the enemy do to my friend? Stole the word. Did he know God could heal? Yes. He did. He had saw God heal. Why did he doubt it was God's will for him? Because the word kept getting taken. If it is God's will for me to lay hands, listen, if God ever heals, it's evidence that it is his will to heal. If he ever heals, that means he wants to heal. So even if you believe God will heal you if it's His will, if anybody's ever been healed, it's His will. Do you see how that argument doesn't even hold water? Well, if it's the Lord's will. Well, He healed the guy sitting next to me, so it's His will. No, it was His will for him. Listen, that don't make any kind of sense. That's ignorance before daylight. That it was God's will to heal him, but it's not God's will to heal me. Why are you such an irreverent, great sinner that God will not heal you? Nobody that Jesus healed was saved. Nobody. Not one person. And he healed all of them. The Bible says many times he healed all of them. Why? They believed in him. What you believe about the word determines what you're going to receive. He, he let him steal the word. He let him steal the word. And I've watched people that have had to stand on the Word and stand on what the Word says in spite of their circumstances. I know a lady right now, and I'll give you the good report first. She is now cancer-free. But she had to stand on the Word. She had to stand on the Word. That cancer was trying to take her life and trying to take her life. And she had to stand on the Word and go through treatments and stand on the Word. And every time I would talk to her, I would say, how you doing? I would call her name. She would say, Pastor, I am the healed of the Lord. I am not letting the devil take from me what Jesus paid for. I'm not. And she's cancer-free today. Two-year battle, but free today. She didn't let the enemy take the word hallelujah We've got people sitting in this room today that had a cancer diagnosis and now they are cancer free the lord healed them why they held on to the word they held on to the word well i've been believing god for two years well just keep believing i said keep believing don't let go of the word don't let the word, don't, don't let the word just lay there on your heart. Keep it in the midst of your heart. Hide it in your heart. What'll happen? You'll see the results. You'll see the results. I said, you'll see the results. Amen. Isn't that good? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You'll see the results. Because uh, the, the enemy pushes. 
The Holy Spirit leads. You'll never see in the Bible where the Holy Spirit was pushing. He leads. The enemy pushes. My pastor said years ago that the enemy is always trying to get you over into effervescence. He's trying to get you over into extremism. Amen. You just keep doing what the Word says. And if you just keep doing what the Word says, the Word's working. When's it working? Right now. Right now the Word's working in you. Right now it's working in your body. Right now it's working in your finances. Right now it's working in your life. Right now it's working in your family. Right now. Right now your children are turning from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to the power of God and they're going to receive repentance and their inheritance that's theirs in Christ. Right now. How do you know that? Because that's what the Word says. And we're receiving maximum results from the Word of God. Amen?